I come from a sales background myself. I made my way into product. Um, I always make the joke because I was afraid of money. But I, under, I, I came from that world. And so I remember sitting in the, or being in those shoes, sitting in those chairs, listening to those presentations. And I remember what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear what part of my sales process or the sales cycle really matters. You know, a, oh, they tell me to send out these campaigns. Oh, they tell me, you know, we need to do this at, at this stage and this stage and this stage. But what actually is making an impact? What part of that is that hinge moment that you can make the big difference? And so we looked at, of course, yes, this product feature or our support organization is great. That's all good. But what does sales care, care about and what will drive them to change behavior through the coming year? To me, it's what part of my sales process really ended up mattering the most in those crucial competitive opportunities. Welcome to the Blind Spots Podcast. This show is designed to help marketers and researchers understand just how to address blind spots in key go-to-market areas through primary research efforts. This podcast is brought to you by DoubleCheck Research, an established leader in win-loss and churn research and analysis with a mission to help clients improve their win rates by turning buyer insights into competitive advantage. My name's Ryan Sorley. I'm a founder, a researcher, a soon-to-be author, a husband to one and a dad to three, and your grateful and humble podcast host. Each show, I will engage with marketing, sales, product, and competitive intelligence experts in the B2B technology space in meaningful and thought-provoking conversations with actionable strategies on how to help product marketers and those with a love for research drive value across their organizations. It's that time of year again. Planning for sales kickoff meetings is upon us. And as product marketers, we want to make a big splash. Being true to form, we at DoubleCheck recently held a win-loss peer forum session on, wait for it, sales kickoff meetings. During the fireside chat portion of our meeting, our own Bruce Casperl, VP of Research, sat down with Miko Bird, Head of Competitive Intelligence at Optimizely, and Chris Heron, Senior Product Manager at Beyond Trust, to share just how they've made a big splash at past SKOs by designing and delivering super impactful and memorable sessions born out of the mounds of win-loss intelligence they've collected throughout the year. So sit back and listen as Miko and Chris share their best practices, stories, as well as things to avoid on this episode of Blind Spots. Welcome both Miko and Chris. Really appreciate your joining us today. I'd love to start and have uh, each of you sort of outline your roles, especially since we've got a product manager and a head of CI. It's great to understand maybe some of the different dynamics there. And we can uh, dive from there. So I'll, I'll start with Miko. Miko, if you want to give us a little bit about uh, the role that you play and the role CI plays for these kickoffs. And by the way, I've been told that SKO term is not widely used. So we'll just uh, call them sales kickoffs or big sales meetings. But uh, Miko, if you could go ahead and start, that'd be great. Sure. So I run um, uh, Global Competitive Intel, which is always in, I guess, high demand at sales kickoff. Sellers want to hear about wins, and it's always a great opportunity to to do sort of breakout sessions with various teams or groups to also talk about losses and kind of share best practices and share expertise across 
the entire sales organization, not just sales, but we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but share with, with other teams as well, like marketing and, and partners and so forth. And Chris? Yeah, so um, we've actually performed a sales kickoff presentation with Bruce present. Bruce came on on um, the big stage with me and presented to the, the sales organization. This was really our sales organization's introduction to the effort. They'd seen all of these emails. What are these? Why are, why are you uh, pinging my clients? And uh, th- this really helped in several different areas. One, Miko really touched very well on Sales loves hearing about wins. They want to hear about, you know, how do I make more? Uh, how do I how do I hit that quota number and, and and blow it out of the water? They really love the honesty and the showing our cards in terms of we've done the research regarding losses. We know where we are weak. It's not just a we aren't coming in with these marketing terms internally to fool anyone. Uh, sales really wants to know the real information. What what are customers actually saying to someone who isn't us? And that provides a lot of trust to the sales organization to understand what type of research goes into the material that we give them, the confidence that they can go to customers to solve problems and, and form that, that trust relationship. And then also just to boost morale and to, and to really have that at the very least at our big sales meeting, that's how I'm going to refer to it, Bruce, because you gave me that option at our big sales meeting, ended up being the sales favorite presentation during the three-day sales kickoff due to how we opened up the book and were able to show real customer quotes about real situations against real competitors. And I just don't think that there's a way to, to perform that type of research internally. Great. In preparing for these big one-to-many settings like a, a, a sales kickoff or a sales combat meeting, what types of things do you do ahead of it, you know, sort of like leading up to it that, uh, you know, really make it so that the impact of win-loss is, is really imbued throughout these types of sessions? Uh, Miko? Yeah, um, leading up to sales kickoff is always just this, you know, kind of a frenzy of pulling together information and pulling together data. So, One thing that I've done in the past to really help with that effort is to just throughout the year, I mean, nobody has time to read through, I don't know, 50 win-loss interviews just leading, just prior to sales kickoff. So we've leveraged (laughs) Dovetail. Some of you may be using it already, but I've leveraged Dovetail in the past to just kind of collect any reference that the marketing team might use at sales kickoff, collect any references to things like annual conferences or regional events or roadshows, webinars even, and collect those in dovetail so that you can quickly pull those things up. Same thing goes for channel partner teams as well. So kind of planning and, and using the tools throughout the year so that you have very easy and quick access to these things bite-sized pieces of data, customer quotes, and so forth has been, you know, really helpful for me. So uh, Miko hit the uh, the nail on the head in a, in a lot of ways in terms of we're using Dovetail as well, although I don't think our maturity level is quite as, as far as hers is, um, uh, at least related to this specific purpose. But we're building towards that, and that's what we plan on doing. Uh, we were performing the same function prior, just it obviously took a little bit more manual intervention. But we all know customer quotes, the, that drives the message to sales a lot more strongly than, a, say, a product manager or marketing can ever drive it with some sort of internal message. It's just not the same. And presenting the same concept or the same statement, but coming directly from somebody who has no reason to um, obfuscate or polish it to make it look nice really uh, makes the message matter a whole lot more to, to the sales team. 
Another thing that we have been doing and um, I would caution anyone to do is take a look at uh, what you can pull for specific product areas or specific market segments from the beginning of the year and then the end of the year and see if you can find those comparisons where certain releases or change in strategy, change in messaging might have really made an improvement to the way that either the customer perceives you or actually how you might compete competitively in certain uh, segments or for specific uses. That really showed our sales team that not only were we listening to the market, not only are we not just throwing darts at a dartboard, but that gave them a lot of excitement about future releases that uh, we have the right plan in place and the right people looking at the strategy and taking this information into consideration. Great. You both mentioned quotes. Love to get a sense of how you determine what's a good SKO level quote. And you know, do you group them? What are you looking for in terms of maximum impact to really surface these types of insets in a, in a big setting like this? What are we looking for in quotes? You know, I think the most powerful quotes are when you have a customer saying, look, we chose you over the competition because of X, Y, or Z. And, you know, this is kind of backtracking a little bit onto the prior topic or what we were just discussing. But I think, you know, when you have your marketing team, for instance, is always like very often at sales kickoff, they want to share, you know, metrics about legion and, and campaign performance. But ultimately, the goal of sales kickoff is to, or one of the goals of sales kickoff is to ensure that your your sellers are kind of using all the tools that they have, inviting their clients and prospects to events and webinars, because, you know, you're, you're just creating a better engagement with your customer. And, and in doing so, you know, those events and engagements can really help you close a deal. So when you have a quote at sales kickoff from a customer that says, you know, a customer chose chose you. And in part, part of their decision was based on the fact that they attended an event and attending that conference solidified their decision to go with you as a solution or a regional event helped decide that you were the winning solution because now they feel like they have a local community that they can tap into. Like any type of quote that kind of conveys a key benefit the customer is going to gain by choosing your organization or why they chose you over the competition. I mean, those are really the most powerful quotes. And those are the ones that we kind of dig for in the interviews. I I have to echo one part of that, which is absolutely anytime uh, you you see the chief competitor in there or one of the, the chief competitors or maybe an insurgent in your market that you know that sales has been dealing with, that you know maybe... um they might even be demoralized or a certain segment might have been, been having difficulty. That's something that you, you key in on so that either positive or negative so that you can supply that context, that real world. But, uh, you know, we keep saying quotes. It really it really does change the entire game when we're providing a quote directly from a, especially a lost customer that we're usually unable to really have that conversation after the fact. But there's another part of it for me, I think. So not everyone probably has looked at my LinkedIn yet. I doubt you're that quick, but I come from a sales background myself. I made my way into product. Um, I always make the joke because I was afraid of money. But I I, I came from that world. And so I remember sitting in the... Or being in those shoes, sitting in those chairs, listening to those presentations. And I remember what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear what part of my sales process or the sales cycle really matters. You know, uh, oh, they tell me to send out these campaigns. Oh, they tell me 
you know, we need to do this at, at this stage and this stage and this stage. But what actually is making an impact? What part of that is that hinge moment that you can make the big difference? And so we looked at, of course, yes, this product feature or our support organization is great. That's all good. But what does sales care, care about and what will drive them to change behavior through the coming year? To me, it's what part of my sales process really ended up mattering the most in those crucial competitive opportunities. And so seeing something like, for instance, saying your SC team is always on point with demos. They know the answers. And if they don't, I, I'm forgetting an exact quote here. Bruce, I, I probably could have found one, but you know, your SC team doesn't gloss over certain, uh, certain items. If they don't know, they say they don't know, they go find the answer. I love that type of professionalism. Or your uh, sales team was always communicative and understood where I was in my process, kind of getting a better understanding of what that sales cycle really feels like to the other persona, I think gave sales a different view rather than just following a repeated sales cycle process. So giving more context to why you're doing what you're doing and not just we won because of XYZ feature or we won because of pricing. What behaviors uh, drove that win as well from a sales perspective, I think was uh, particularly valuable and something that I look for. Yeah. And I think also going back to your interview on at least an annual basis to make sure you are asking questions that are going to... Are relevant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is there a question you're asking uh, that you you haven't gotten a lot of value out of that you need to yeah or yeah. anything else absolutely checking in with those stakeholders to make sure you're still asking uh, or maybe maybe uh, you release a new process to that point and you want to get that feedback. One thing we you both mentioned and Mika, I'd love to start with you loss quotes and sort of the the tough news that might come out of a win loss program in a big setting like an SKO big sales kickoff. What types of things do you do to present potentially negative information in a industry, you know, company-wide setting? What are some te- uh, techniques that you've used? Well, I've done um, so not so much on the main stage to talk about loss, but in the past, um, I've held breakout sessions. So you can target like specific groups. I've done breakout sessions just with the sales engineering team or solution architects. Yeah, you're sharing top reasons for losses. You're sharing the customer's perspective on why we lose. Any kind of recurring themes and then create an open forum so SEs, again, can learn from each other share how they've overcome these challenges, you know, even share what they're encountering in the market. It's it's always been a very lively session. And especially like solution engineers or solution architects and SEs don't always get that direct feedback. They're not always invited to the sort of the debrief with the seller and the customer. They've already moved on to kind of, you know, the next opportunity. So that's one format where you can, you know, you can share losses and key learnings. And another format is targeting regional teams. So many organizations are using their CRM data to understand kind of combination of the CRM data and the sort of qualitative win-loss data to understand which teams are struggling with particular competitors or or which teams are seeing key competitor a lot. And then again, at sales kickoff, doing a breakout with either a regional team or, you know, the entire team to kind of share those key findings and then discuss best practices, discuss how to overcome challenges and so forth. I think those are the, the ways, I think the best, most informative ways for sellers to, to really discuss loss. I was just uh, going to mention um, 
kind of how we approach this this subject. I I'm probably a, a little unique in the product management world that I I like talking about losses and I'll tell sales exactly why we lose or why we lost. Or many times what we we try to focus on, of course, is a loss that may have happened at the start of the research effort and then how that may have changed or we went against a competitor in a similar situation to solve similar use cases later after improvements, after changing messaging, after education, whatever it may have been, and what the difference in performance was there. But also, one other thing that really what I found matters a lot to our sales organization and everyone I know in sales, I'm, I'm very close with uh, with our sales group here. It's a numbers game in sales, and not every opportunity is going to be perfect for our organization. We don't solve everything better than every. I wish we did. That'd be that'd make things really easy for me. But the reality is, there are some things that, simply put, we are not best suited to solve and to get a better understanding of maybe use cases that either a competitor does solve better or might be a more of a not really in our scope that maybe a competitor might have gone into that vertical for one reason or another, and to understand that and find that out earlier in the sales cycle so you're not spending as long in that opportunity as you need to. You have limited resources and you need to chase the right opportunities. And then last, of course, is going to be more related to, okay, we maybe we lost based on pricing or this use case, this feature, this whatever it may have been. What questions... We didn't necessarily lose because of a lack of functionality. That That typically is not the specific reason why we lost that opportunity. Many times what we find is that if you peel back that onion, if you take the right tactic in overcoming that uh, objection and understanding what they're actually trying to solve, if they're just asking you for a feature that a competitor may have come into an RFP a little sooner, how do you peel that back to have a better story around solving their problem in the way that we do it? So it's, of course, overcoming hurdles, but I think it's also important just to flat out be able to tell sales, these are the reasons why we lose. These are the one, these are those categories that if you hear these and these are those core requirements for the customer, understand that we don't solve them well and you might need to move on and that's okay too. And Chris, you being in the product side, that's an interesting dynamic here. What's your thoughts and, and techniques that you use to present product-related information at a sales session and then you know are there subgroups that you need to talk to the product people at these sessions just to understand from a product perspective how win loss data gets uh, surfaced so uh, yeah that, that's a good question because we end up having to touch every other part of the organization and so how do you present the same information or uh, you know how do you i guess segment that information to what's relevant to each part of the organization when it comes to sales obviously we tend to be a little bit more careful with what product information we are, we are throwing out there for full sales group consumption at any time but related to this effort we really tend to focus on at least the questions that we've asked the questions that we we have in our win loss analysis quite a number of them are related to process are related to the sales cycle are related to what parts of the sales cycle the the uh, or pre-sales cycle before they even touch us are most vital to the customer so for instance something the information regarding what resources do you use before you even talk to a sales rep are you looking at analyst reports are you looking at our website are you doing self education at what stage are you looking at these and that better informs sales decisions as to what activities they might need to take at what times maybe what type of campaigns they need to focus on to new customers, new logos. In terms of the product-specific information, I think most of what we look to is, I mean, certainly feedback that is related to the upcoming roadmap is always powerful. That way we are already have a nice story around it. 
But a lot of it is more so coming back to what is the perception of our overall strategy as a, as a product team? Is there confidence that we can execute on what we deliver, that we are outpacing the competitor in those key areas? And so I don't know if that exactly answers the question. For everyone on the call, they didn't prep me. He's just throwing these things at me uh, you know, like, like fastballs. But to the sales organization, we really focus more so on that pricing, packaging, future roadmap, and, um, and overall perception of the product team. When we're providing this information to the product managers, I provide it completely unfiltered. If it's your product, I want you to, re- to read every single word in there to understand this is all the stones that you need done to overturn to, to understand what type of decisions you need to make moving forward. Product management at Beyond Trust hits everything. We determine pricing, marketing, a sales strategy, packaging, features. So it all needs to be unfiltered when we, when we present to that type of audience. And Miko, on the other side, you coming from the CI side, in these types of presentations and formats like this, how are you working with your, you know, the rest of the marketing department to really make sure that win-loss information is as front and center as, as makes sense? Maybe not so much with marketing, but I mean, all of the competitive insights that we gain from inter- customer interviews all of that is fed back into battle cards and other competitive assets. And yeah, sure, maybe even into kind of like marketing attack campaigns and positioning and messaging. So yeah, I mean, CI is one of the, I mean, we, I've always used win-loss as a, as a huge complement to CI. Um, I mean, it's, you're, you're gaining so much, not just product-related feedback, but messaging and positioning and pricing and all of that's very, very relevant for CI. And it's it's great, great data to share, share back out at sales kickoff. Usually at sales kickoff, you want to announce updated assets and updated tools for sellers to use. So the win-loss feeds very well into that. One thing that did come in, and I know we sort of glossed over this maybe, but How long have you been using win-loss in relationship to an SKO format? How many interviews do you do in a year that you feel would be an appropriate amount to maybe surface at an SKO? Just sort of give a sense of how the overarching double-check program is structured and, and maybe speak to that. I mean, I've used win-loss in some form or another for at least six years. And honestly, the win-loss produces just an, a mountain of, of amazing data and insight that's highly relevant to SKO. And, and I don't know, I would say if I were just to throw out a, a number, it's like 50, you know, I would love, that would be my, that would be my goal to have like at least 50. And, you know, I, I didn't always have that, that volume and it would be great to have more, but if you're asking for a number, that's what I'm going to throw out there. Okay. Uh, I think uh, Bruce, I'll have to ask you about the number because I don't even know how many <laughs> reports we've done, but I know we've been working together since I believe 2018, if I recall correctly, we came on with double check uh, actually with the, Merger and acquisition of Ecto and Beyond Trust into Bombgar. Vecto had a contract with DoubleCheck and Bombgar. It's an interesting situation. We had a we thought we had a great understanding of why we won and lost on on our Bombgar products, and in some ways we we really did. But coming onto a program like this, especially with new products, new categories, new use cases, new uh, process. I mean, everything was new. It was absolutely essential to understand from the mouth of, of people out in the market how we were perceived and just 
those problem areas because there were so many for us to solve. What did we need to prioritize first? And then also, I, I have to mention that um, when we did perform the win-loss related to some of the products that I had been working on the longest, while we did find out some new information, some of it actually did end up coming in line with what our assumptions were, which I remember very distinctly someone telling me, um, well, you know, this seems a lot like what we assumed it would be. And I was like, yes, this is great. Uh, you know, this proves our assumptions. Uh, you know, assumptions are just assumptions until you have something to, to back it up. But in terms of how many reports, if I had a wish list, it depends on how many opportunities your organization has, first and foremost. Of course, I mean, I don't know your market if you're used to 20 deals a year at, you know, a million a pop. I, you know, it depends. But for me, you know, we do a couple thousand per year uh, closed opportunities. And I would be happy with 100. I'd really love to see, you know, 200, 250, to be perfectly honest. Great. Well, one final question before we go to our breakouts. It is at the beginning of SKO planning season for a lot of people. I know, Chris, for you and probably for Miko as well. What advice can you give to the people listening in here to be doing right now with your win-loss programs to you know, maximize impact for the January or February delivery that you're likely to do? I think I would, honestly, it's going back and reviewing some of your, uh, your, your key wins, uh, key win loss interviews, especially those from that are rip and replace, meaning mm-hmm. you unseated your top competitors. Oftentimes they'll kind of generate ideas, things that you want to kind of focus on for sales kickoff, things that key things that you want to share in terms of wins. And then same thing, you know, go back through your your top losses to again your tier one competitors and review all of the the data that you're getting back from double check to to really isolate, you know, those recurring themes and, you know, double check makes that easy because they're really identifying those, those recurring themes for you. So yeah. And think about ways to, I don't know, I think make it engaging and make it a learning experience where folks are not really being put on the spot. I, I think I'm a little gentler than Chris and <laughs> sharing the loss <laughs> data, but, you know, sharing top reasons for loss doesn't have to put anybody on the spot. It can, you can absolutely do it in a way where it's fun and just a really, really strong learning experience for the whole sales organization and even customer success organizations as well. So uh, I'll, I'll jump in and, and say, uh, <laughs> I, I laugh a little bit at that, that just, I had this image of myself being uh, somehow being uh, this, you know, mean. We lost, you know, we lost because of uh, you know you and being really mean on on stage or something along those lines. I think many people who know me would laugh, but I really see it as three different categories that you need to go take a look at. Now, these are the three categories that matter to sales. First and foremost, get out of your shoes. If you're in marketing, if you're in product, if you're in anything, get out of your shoes. The first step of all of this, it's just like everything else we do. Think about the persona that you're presenting to. Think about the persona that you're addressing. The, who is your market? The persona is a salesperson. What does a salesperson care about? And what, what is their day-to-day life like? And so I see it as three different things. Processes, collateral, and morale. First processes, I mentioned that before. Go back and look at what type of data or quotes or feedback you were able to gain from your win-loss analysis related to day-to-day sales activities that really were meaningful, were not meaningful, you know, et cetera, down the line. What impacted your wins, what impacted your losses or didn't impact your losses. Sales wants to know how to be more effective, more efficient with the resources that they have and close more money. 
So processes, how do you improve their day-to-day go-to-market strategy? Collateral, that's been mentioned several times. Make sure that you've got this prepared already with this information, the quotes, the new information about competitors, about your, yourself, about your messaging, and have that ready and tied back to this effort and be able to show, say, this came from directly from our win-loss analysis. These are what customers or prospects were, have said about why they chose a competitor. And now here's how to address it. And then morale. I think a lot of people forget this one. Sales checks out a lot at some of these meetings. I remember being in long meetings where you're presenting a lot of information. It's on day three and we're all, let's say, very tired for some reason. So morale is a big piece here. When you're going against competitors that are strong in their market, that we do lose to sometimes, that maybe you're going after a what we call uh, 1,000-pound gorilla in the market, and you're going after, you're, you're a disruptor yourself. Sales, it's like going into a football game where, where I always think of the, the scene, I think I'd mentioned it to Bruce uh, at some point of the Patriot, where he grabs the American flag and he runs up the hill you know, in the last battle. Find that kind of information that you can pull from these reports at the end to really succinctly drive that point home and bring that morale of the sales team up. Really what we found is presenting that type of information from these reports. And you have to present the losses very honestly. I'm very, very brutal with that. I, I like to be. It's, a, it's slightly enjoyable for me. But if you can find those nuggets that really might excite a salesperson the next time they see a competitive name, the next time they see a particular market segment, that's the kind of gem that you can get from this, these reports that we were unable to get before. So that's what I'd leave you with. And that was Miko Bird. Head of Competitive Intelligence at Optimizely, and Chris Heron, Senior Product Manager at Beyond Trust. For more great insight into how to leverage your win-loss churn intelligence to drive awesome, impactful, and memorable sessions at Sales Kickoff, please check out our recently redesigned blog at blog.doublecheckresearch.com backslash resources. And if you like the show, tell a friend and please sign up on your favorite podcast channel. And thanks for listening.